Hello, friends, and welcome to episode number 182 of Bad Flips and Maple Dips. It's Patrick here in Halifax, Nova Scotia. He's Justin in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. Justin, uh, a great baseball weekend. How how was your weekend, though? Weekend was good. Yeah, no, I uh, did lots of walking. The weather is improving finally out here at West, so we hit double digits today, which was awesome. So I'm going for a little walk, walk to the gym, watch the F1 race this morning, and mad about the result for ferrari because red bull took one and two but uh i didn't see oh you just spoiled it for me well i mean you got to get up early i guess not even early for you you could have watched it at 10 o'clock your time <laughs> 10 o'clock i had to time? oh was, right. i had to get uh, up at 6 30 this morning to watch the race at seven so first stopping in perez yeah they took one two yeah that sucks yeah it was sucks uh, for, well that sucks if you're a ferrari fan if you're like me and you're not a ferrari fan then you're okay with it you're not a Red um, Bull fan, are you? Do I have to end no. this podcast right now? Okay, good. No, <laughs> Williams, but... Oh, God, um, I'm sorry for your loss every year. What are you talking about? <laughs> what's, so... wrong with, what's wrong with Williams? They haven't been good in, like, six years at least. <laughs> I'm, I'm a legacy. I, I guess. Whatever. Fer- Ferrari's finally good again this year after three years of disappointment, so... I'm, uh... I'm looking forward to the rest of the year. Two weeks until the Miami race. So that'll be on at a good time in the day to actually watch it. Miami. Um, yeah, yeah, looking forward to that. Do, but anyway. uh, I guess, it, I mean, Leclerc is still in the lead yeah. points-wise. Yeah. Um, but, but Verstappen took all the possible points this weekend. He took first in the race, he took first in the sprint, and he had the fastest lap, which is another bonus point. So That's right. He's weekend. 31, no, sorry, I'm not good at math. Math bad. Uh, 27 points behind Charles Leclerc. Yeah. But anyway, um, rest of the weekend is fine. Uh, one of our friends came over last night for a visit. We hadn't seen her in a while. Had a long, like, five-hour conversation just sitting around the kitchen table, which I hadn't done in a while, so that's always fun. It's my birthday yeah, tomorrow, sure. so I'll be uh, that's, that's Okay, that. yeah, we, let's address that. <laughs> Happy birthday. Thank you. Happy um, I don't remember the fucking number. 29? That's right, yeah. Oof. You got it. That was me, that was like when you go to, you know you're going to swing at a pitch in the show and you don't you don't know what's coming, but you just know you're going to swing. Oh, that's, that's me every every pitch. <laughs> pace, I'm all about pace of play, Patrick. If you yep, swing not at even, a pitch, not the even goes faster. No pitch guess, nothing, you just like, I'm... Why would I'm, I guess? It's it's going to be a fastball, that's all, I, that's all I see. It's a are you only a heavy swing or do you x are you x or square is there a heavy swing is there not a, is there a non-heavy swing option i've never found it <laughs> it's either you're coming up to the plate with 45 home runs batting 182 justin yeah. anderson yeah that's my that's my player for sure i uh <laughs> i do take a walk every now and then but that's because it's late in the game and the pitcher is tiring and i just don't i just literally set the controller down and just hope for the best sometimes that's the, yeah, only, that's the only time i've ever taken like a walk two, 204 <laughs> yeah i think my i think my average when i finally made played my first full season in the bigs was like 226 but i had like 38 dingers and a bunch of doubles so it was that, worth it that's cool what position i was two a player i was playing uh i was pitching and i was playing left field <laughs> jesus christ those numbers are terrible yeah, no, I'm out. Like, I, like I had 128 Shohei. RBIs. What are you talking about? You're like a worse Shohei Otani. What What are your pitching stats like? Oh, my pitching stats are elite. I uh, made the All Star game. Um, I, pitching is like the strong point of my show game. I I will pitch. Okay. I'm on the highest difficulty on the, the adaptive difficulty thing. Yeah. 
I'm locating like a motherfucker out there and uh yeah I'm 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 getting I, I don't I'm my velocity is not that high cuz I'm still building up the stats but I'm I like Mark Brilly out there you, you put a spot down I'm hitting it every time Okay so you're like, hit the corner film I I maybe get like 3 strikeouts in a game over 7 innings just cuz I don't have the velo to strike anybody out Okay but they can't but they can't score up my pitches cuz they I got that heavy slider so they yeah. it's a, it's just a ground ball city. My ground ball rate's like sixty eight percent or something stupid. <laughs> That's sick. Yeah. I'll tell you, I'm the type of pitcher I'm. I love being a closer. I love oh, being yeah. like, like just sort of embracing the fact that the game is on the on my shoulders. Like I love that. Um, they always do that thing where they're like, "Oh, we're gonna make you a starter for a while," and then I excel at it, and they're like, "We're putting you back in the pen," and they won't mm. give me the ninth. Some sometimes I'll go like a season. And I only get like the eighth or the seventh. Yeah. And we're losing, and it's like this is stupid. This is a waste of my time. Yeah, I don't know if I could be a relief pitcher. It's just so boring to just wait all the time. I don't. I don't agree. I love the thrill of like the game is on the line. I don't care about like I'm all about. I want the save. I want the W. I want. <laughs> I want to walk off that. You're all about those bump, old knowing that stats. it's me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, like I'm out there. I would say I'm more, I'm like, uh, what do I like? I I have like the fastball, the slider, and um, I can't believe I'm going to admit this, but I do have the cutter. Why do you have a cutter, Patrick? I thought it was the worst pitch. It is the worst pitch. We're going to talk about the yeah, cutter today. I about never throw how cutters. Cutters are for losers. They are for losers. That's why I throw one. Uh, we're going to talk about cutters today. Uh, great series uh, down in Houston. Lots to be happy about. Lots to be maybe mildly concerned about. But we took two or three from a team that uh, probably could have won like four or five World Series at this point. It's pretty much a damn dynasty or the closest you can get nowadays. But uh, we're going to talk about all that shit. And um, we're going to talk about Miguel Cabrera. We're going to talk about Joey Votto. We're going to talk about... Um, some concern we have for some of our players um check us out on twitter at bfmd podcast we're on anchor anchor apple those first two always get me justin anchor apple spotify google breaker pocket casts radio public stitcher tune in and more website bfmdpodcast.com thanks for taking the time to listen to the episode we're going to lead off with something that's kind of really important to me uh, this is kind of becoming a, I don't know, a frequent occurrence on the show, and it's kind of alarming. Another legend of hockey has passed away. Guy Lafleur, maybe the best Montreal Canadien ever to play the game. Uh, very influential uh, in my family as far as uh, players go. Passed away of cancer. Again, fuck cancer at the age of 70. Uh, way before your time, Justin, but the, the, the respect that Guy Lafleur commands uh, post-retirement is definitely palpable with his philanthropy. Um, yeah, really, it was, it was very cool to see them talk about Guy and his influence uh, all during the broadcast last night um, for the, uh, the Habs game. Uh, I know he's out of your, your time frame. Uh, he was long retired before you were born. But um, a lot of respect for a player like that. Nobody could skate like Guy. 
Yeah, I, I don't know really anything about him. Obviously, growing up a Leafs fan, we don't really talk about the Montreal Canadiens in good ways. So, um, yeah, I, I, I've just I've seen him on, like, when they retire a number in Montreal or something on Hockey Night in Canada, and he's there with all the Canadiens legends. Uh, yep. But uh, that, I don't really know too much about the guy. Um, yeah, that's, like you said, way before my time. If it's if it's before, like, the, like 2000, I probably don't remember it because that's when I was, like, seven. Yeah. So. <laughs> one of one uh, of the yeah. best players, maybe the best player of, of the 1970s. Um, just unbelievable speed. Um, could stop on a dime. You're just incredible. Uh, lots of players uh, who grew up in the 70s watching Guy Lafleur modeled their game after his speed and skill uh, and he had that sick flow the way his hair flowed while he skated because he didn't wear a helmet <laughs> during he's the boba shed of hockey yeah kind of in a way but way better than both but Oof. uh r.i.p to one of the goats uh yeah let's move on there's lots of cool baseball stuff to talk about and yeah. we're not actually a hockey podcast but i like talking about these guys it makes me happy so i'm gonna do it Let's talk about Joey Votto, though. For sure. Yeah, let's talk about Joey Votto. So we've talked about Joey Votto a few times this year already because he's been active on social media, especially Twitter and TikTok, of all things. Um, (laughs) But Joey Votto tweeted out uh, this morning, actually, the experience of being in a batting slump is that it feels like a labyrinth. One feels trapped, alone, and disoriented. When you finally get it out, you are relieved and can't believe how easy it was to find the exit. Unfortunately, that exit eventually leads to another labyrinth. That's a good uh, a good analogy, a good visualization of what it's like to be in a slump. Uh, Joey Votto's hitting like 150 right now. Yeah, to start the year. I was looking at the entire Reds lineup today, and they are all just struggling. Um, but uh, obviously, Joey Votto is his career average is sitting like right around 300, <laughs> so it's it's about to fall underneath just unfortunate but uh to tell you you the truth no matter what happens to joey Votto this season uh he's still going to be a hall of famer like an auto lock uh he is lifetime 300 hitter as of right now um boy that his batting average is just nosedive in the last three seasons what can you really say i mean he's one of the best uh, was he 38 now? I've ever seen. Yeah, up until 2019, he was lifetime 307, and, and obviously he's seen a pretty significant dip, but it it doesn't undo the MVP season. It doesn't undo all the All-Star uh, yeah. seasons. It doesn't undo the gold glove. Uh, it You know, rough yeah. start to the season. He was uh, he was 0 for, 0 for 1 today with three walks. <laughs> That's a pretty he, Joy Votto game. Yeah, that is a pretty Joey Votto game. He has this year and then two more years under contract. Yeah. Uh, unless he's bought out, uh, no way he retires. The man will secure his paper. Yeah. Uh, and it won't matter. He's get, he's probably going to get into the hall. He definitely hits a bunch of the metrics to do it. Um, but it sucks to see him struggle. Uh, yeah. That being said, he was praising uh, a, I don't I dare I say, a contemporary of his. Uh, earlier this week, Miguel Cabrera. Mm-hmm. Did anything happen with Miguel Cabrera? 
Yeah, well, as we uh, as we talked about on the last show, uh, he was sitting at two thousand nine hundred and ninety nine hits, and I'm happy to report that he did get to three thousand. As we speak, he is at three thousand and two now. So now that he's gonna get there, he surpassed it. Um, he's able to do it at home in front of the in front of the Tigers faithful. I believe they were playing Colorado at the time. It, it was cool when he got the hit because uh, Jose Iglesias, who had been a Detroit Tiger for a long time, was playing second for the Rockies. And he came over to first and gave Miggy a big hug after it happened. It was pretty, pretty cool baseball moment. All the Tigers came out of the off the bench to celebrate with Miggy. Um, but yeah, one of the one of the greats, and just like Joey Votto, he'll be definitely a, a Miguel's a first ballot, maybe unanimous Hall of Famer when he's done playing. I think yep. he's still got another year or two left on his contract as well. Yeah, and the man will secure his money before... <laughs> As he yeah, deserves. Yeah, he'll either have to be bought out for, like, the full amount or whatever. Yeah, he is still or... a career 310 hitter, Patrick Marsh. Yep. Even, even with the decline these last few years. He hasn't hit above 300 in a full season since... Uh, well, he hit 299 in 2018, I guess. But he hasn't hit above yeah, 300 since 2016. There. But still, that's pretty good for an old man at 39 years old now. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, what an incredible, uh, incredible weekend! The the, the electricity, uh, all all around Cabrera. Uh, mm-hmm. There was a cool, there was a Votto tweet about it too, about how uh, one of the most Cabrera things was uh, his three thousand hits being single going the other way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, very yeah, <laughs> uh, just sort of uh, indicative of what a great hitter he is. Obviously. Would it have been romantic if he had hit a home run for his 3,000 short? Yeah. Uh, but that's not Mickey. Mickey's out there. He wants to win. He doesn't give a shit. He yeah, I know. Uh, he's got one more year left guaranteed on his contract next year. It'd be $32 yeah, no, bucks. He has vesting options for 2024 and 2025, but those only yeah. vest if he finishes top 10 in MVP voting next season, which is no. unlikely. So. No. Uh, not impossible unless, just highly improbable <laughs> uh yeah we're definitely gonna see miggy for another year yeah unless be he it, retires but why in the hell would he, he do would that? he won't do that no it's it does it just doesn't happen anymore because he's just because he's secured in for those extra seasons yeah i don't know if the money is guaranteed or not we'll get well that'll be his his, his 2023 will probably be his swan song unless he hits 50 home runs and you know wins the MVP, which he won't because it's statistically impossible. I don't see how that would happen. Uh, but he's off to a great start this year, batting 317, 377, uh, and, and uh, a low slug, the lowest of his career in ever, uh, 739 OPS. Uh, he's doing, he's still doing it with the bat. He'll get a home run. He'll get he'll get some home runs. Yeah. Will he get to what what does he need to get to? Or he's already at five hundred. Never mind. He's already there. Yeah, he's not gonna get to six hundred though. But uh, doesn't need no. to. <laughs> nope, doesn't need to. But uh, great. let's let's shift gears and talk about some less impressive things. Uh, the New York Yankees and Cleveland Guardians had a a fun time yesterday. Uh, the Yankees were able to rally for a five to four win. It was a walk-off from Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, but that was overshadowed by 
Yankee fans in the right field bleachers who were going after uh, Cleveland's outfield. Um, fans in the rowdy right field bleachers. That's quoting an article that The Guardian posted. They pelted Cleveland outfielders with bottles, cans, and debris in a chaotic scenes on Saturday, moments after the Yankees' win. Uh, rather than celebrating with their teammates, uh, Giancarlo Stanton and Aaron Judge actually ran out toward the wall trying to calm the crowd. And that's only when Yan- that's only what stopped Yankee fans from throwing stuff is that those guys came out there. Um, Miles Straw, one of the outfielders who was there at the time, called it brutal. Worst fan base on the planet. <laughs> Yikes. Um, yeah. I'm still not really sure what, like, set it off. I don't know if, like, anybody said something to anybody or if there was just a bunch of chirping going on. But uh, I've watched a few videos. I haven't been able to find, like, uh, anything for sure. But, like, uh, it was, like, Stephen Kwan had kind of ran into the wall trying to catch a baseball. Yeah. It was, like, shaken up and stuff. So maybe the fans were kind of, like, chirping, chirping him. But then at one point, Straw actually like climbed up the wall and was like right in the face of a few people in the front row as he was hanging on the wall. So uh, man, and that's that's crazy. But like you can't you can't be throwing stuff on the field. Like no, we saw that happen at Rogers Center in the playoffs of, like five years ago. At this point now, and it's just yep. it's just disgusting. Like you can't you can't do it. It was scummy when Jays fans did it, and it's scummy when the Yankee fans yeah. do it. It's scummy when any fan base does it. It's not justified. Even remember John Rocker, one of the most hateful yeah. assholes ever to play baseball. Mm-hmm. And when when they um, he had batteries whipped at him for for years, uh, even though he a very distasteful person, uh, still not justified. Uh, that could hurt somebody. Yep, it could, that could be really bad. Um, don't throw shit on the field. It's not that hard. Even a home run ball, don't throw it back. Like, don't be an idiot. Just sit there and enjoy the game. Don't try to be a part of it. It's it's dumb. But um, I'll say this too. We bash the Yankees all the time for a million different things. Um, good on Aaron Judge and good on Giancarlo Start. Stanton to to try to encourage the fans to stop. Yeah. Um, that's good leadership. I'm not saying that everything they do is great. Obviously, they're complex individuals, mm-hmm. and there's lots that I would want to criticize Aaron Judge for, and we're not going to get into that right now. <laughs> but uh, good on them today for doing that. That's good leadership. That's some good stuff. Um, classless by the fans that threw it. And not every Yankee fan throws garbage, so let's not, you know. If you're out there thinking that that Yankees fans are all trash, then you are a part of the problem. They're not. Uh, Some of them threw garbage. Um, Let's criticize them. Yeah. But let's talk about cool stuff or maybe interesting (laughs) stuff when it comes to stats. For sure. We want to talk. Can Can I ask you a question? Yes. Is Boba Shed all right? No, okay. I don't think he is. I think. Tell he's, me more. I think Boba Shed is really struggling this year, and oh boy. the the numbers and and listen, like we're like seventy plate appearances into the season. Bo's gonna get six hundred or more this year, so we're not even. We're like 
ten percent into his season, just just over that right now of, yeah. of the play appearances he's going to get. So there's still ninety percent of the year to get better. And as of today, the season is ten percent over. Like there's we're sixteen games in to a hundred sixty two game season. So um, it's not going to stay this bad forever for Bo. He's got too much of a track record to to get to stay down for this long. But the alarming thing right now for me. And uh, you know that I like to look at the advanced metrics, Patrick Marsh. And for me, it's the amount of whiffs, the amount of swing and miss that Bo has in his game compared to past years. I was looking at some of the numbers, and Bo is having an insane amount of difficulty right now with four-seam fastballs, which I don't know about you, but that's surprising to me as a Bo Bichette watcher that he's having a hard time with velocity and with just a straight pitch. It's... It's surprising at the same time I've watched almost every game I think this year mm-hmm. and every at bat that I've seen of Bose, he yeah, he's like a tick behind I think I said this a week ago. Yeah. He's about a tick tick behind on the four seam. Um Yeah. He's, he's hitting stuff, but he's hitting almost all of it foul. Yeah. Um it is worth and, noting, Patrick, that his expected batting average overall is two ninety right now. So he yeah. has had some bad luck on balls in play. Yep. But the alarming stats are the are the are the whiffs. So just to put it into context, so that people at home don't think I'm just pulling numbers out of my ass. Um, right, right now, Bo is whiffing on forty one point two percent of four seam fastballs that he swings at. Almost four to ten fastballs he's swinging and missing when he swings. Yeah. Last that's, year it was twenty two percent, so it's nearly doubled that that whiff rate on fastballs, which is that's scary. That's not ideal. Because what is is he chasing? Is, is he chasing stuff out of the zone? He's not really. This, yeah, he's not really chasing any more than he was last year. Like his chase percentage is actually down a couple. It's like down about one point three percent overall. He's making yeah. less contact. Last year when he was chasing, he was making contact about 63% of the time. It's down at 53 and a half this year. He's actually swinging less. He's swinging 3% less overall than last year, whether it's in the zone or out. But he's making uh, 8% more whiffs this year. So he's just he's his timing's just not quite there. There's something just in like whether it's his leg kick or the way he's loading up that he's just not quite getting set up and starting his swing in time to catch up to the fastball because we've seen him swing and miss at like some low 90s fastballs too it's not even like it's just 98 99 100 mile an hour velo that he's that he's missing it's everything yeah 93 94 yeah everything yeah it, it's basically the full gamut of fast yeah. four seam it's just it's kind of like he's it's kind of like he's going up there looking for breaking balls all the time yeah. And not just sitting on a fastball. And Bo's got a great track record looking at every other season he's been in the big leagues since 2019 of hitting the fastball. And what we're seeing right now is is a little bit alarming because of the fact that, that he's just missing so much. But, I mean, obviously that's going to change. He's going to regress to his mean uh, to, towards norms in the mid 20%. So we're going to start seeing Boba Shett making a lot of contact in the coming weeks. And he showed a couple flashes in this road trip where he'd take balls the other way. He bounced the ball right up the middle today, which was nice yep. to see. 
it was lucky to get a hit on it because he bounced it like three feet in front of the plate. Yeah, but it, was, just, it was a dribbler. Yeah, it went over top of the pitcher's glove, but still, it was it was back up the middle. Um, he is topping the ball a lot. I did talk about this before the show, but the top percentage on on batted balls is nearly fifty right now. So his ground That's ball rate is just skyrocketed. His ground ball rate is at sixty one point seven percent right now. Career average is forty eight point three. So. He's, he's losing fly balls to ground balls. Line drives haven't changed. They're actually up. But his uh, his solid and hard contact, his barrel percentage is down. So he's just he's just getting on top of things right now, and that's just because of the fact that he's not getting that bat through the zone in time, so he's coming down on the top of the baseball. It's worth noting, too, that in, even in his last 20 performance like, uh, plate appearances, he's already... He's already passed the low point. Yeah. If you if you want to, yeah. If it, it makes you feel better out there thinking about Bobachet and the way that he's performing at the plate, he's already passed the lowest point and he's starting to return back to mm-hmm. the bow that we know where he he can hit three hundred. Yeah. Um, he, he won't do it this year because I don't know if he'll ever be able to catch up. <laughs> right. Um, I don't know if you have his savant page open, Patrick, but if you look at his spray chart this year. There are really only two balls that I would call pulls. His home run was to left center. He's got four hits like right over top of second base and six hits to right field and right center field this year. So it's not like he's just trying to pull everything. He's still using the entire field. It's just the contact hasn't been there. Yep, maybe a little bit of extra luck and, and maybe he sees his batting average up maybe 20, 30 points. Um, but it's, it's still, there's clearly, there is a larger issue. It's not just about average. It's about what he's doing when he makes contact. And like you said, the top rate is concerning. He's mashing balls into the dirt. Yeah. Uh, what's his launch angle? <laughs> it's low. It's, uh, down at 2.6 degrees this year. Last year was 7.3. Uh, career average is 8.2. So, I mean, he is, he's, he's just getting on top of things right now. Too many ground balls. Um, his weighted on base average is very low because of the amount of Ks. His walk rate is even lower than Bobochet's walk rate from last year, which is crazy, um, at three <laughs> percent. But yeah, it's for it's it's literally the, the biggest issue is that he's just getting on top of everything, and he's seeing more fastballs than he's ever seen in his big league career. Over sixty percent of pitches he sees are fastballs because. Pitchers are exploiting his weakness right now, which is he can't catch up to it. He can't get on top. He can't get underneath of it. It's just all everything is on top. Yeah, and uh, worth noting too, just as a, a contrast, Santiago Espinal, who uh, has had some ups and downs this year, uh, his launch angle when I looked it up there was about 17.1 for the season. And we've seen some pretty significant gains as far as his power goes. Yeah, still not hitting great. He had a no. terrible series in Boston, but he had a good bounce back uh, series here against Houston. Mm-hmm. Um, I was thinking about talking about Kevon Biggio, but he doesn't have enough plate appearances for us yeah. to, be able to look at advanced statistics. <laughs> so we're gonna skip that for now. We'll come back uh, to him and, in a week or two when he hopefully gets some more plate appearances. Yeah, or uh, something else happens. Who knows? Um, let's recap the series though. Yes, let's get into the Houston series. It was uh, a, an interesting series right up to the end. It literally came down to the last at-bat. 
Uh, unfortunately, the Jays were not able to complete the sweep, but they have kept their streak alive of not losing a series so far this season, which is always nice to, to see. It. That means they're mm-hmm. playing some good baseball. Uh, they're so far five and or five and one in one run games, and they had two more of those wins this series. In game number one, they were able to get a four to three victory. Patrick Marsh. That was Friday evening. Um, our boy Ross Stripling started in that game. He was he was decent enough. He got four innings in, got hit around a little bit, gave up three runs. But when you're not fully stretched out and not in the rotation at the beginning of the season, four innings against a team that's very good is is acceptable. Um, yep. Your boy Trent Thornton <laughs> is is off to a good start this year. Or he uh, he pitched again today and did well. But uh, he went two innings in that one to get the Jays through six, um, and they were up against Justin Verlander. So the fact that they were able to win that game says a lot. Um, Santiago Espinal and Bradley Zimmer went back to back on Verlander, two straight pitches <laughs> in the fifth inning with two outs. As we all predicted. As we all predicted, the bottom of the order came through. Bradley Zimmer got his first Blue Jay hit as a home run off of Hall of Famer Justin Verlander, so not a bad way to do that. And the Jays were able to scratch another run across against him too, um, bringing his ERA up from 0.69 to 1.89, so Verlander got shelled. His ERA more than doubled. (laughs) (laughs) By Verlander standards. Yeah. So yeah, it was it was interesting. Um, Jordan Romano had an interesting ninth inning as well. He gave up a couple of hits, but was able to strike out three batters in that inning to get the save. Bing bang boom. Yep. Um, Vladdy Guerrero had a bunch of hits in this series. They were all singles, but made some hard contact as well too. He had a couple hits in that game. Tim Mays ended up getting credited with the win uh, as the bullpen after Stripling was able to go uh, five innings and the only two hits that were allowed were to Romano or were by Romano You'll and, only love one, to see and only one walk from Thornton the bullpen has been good like we have to give them credit I don't want to give them too much credit because we also did the same thing last year and then we know what happened in May so yeah I'm just gonna say they've been doing well and that's all I want to say I don't, I don't want to be the guy who jinxes it you know I'll say <laughs> well, when we get to the end of the series uh, there will be credit given out to, to Trent Thornton we'll talk about Butters yeah. Um, but I'll say the thing that I find really interesting is that it some of our performers at the top of the lineup have struggled mm-hmm. uh, un, up until this series. Uh, Guriel uh, and obviously Bo hadn't had the best of times. Zach Collins has been off and on, but more yeah. on than off. <laughs> but he went 0 for 4. Uh, Alejandro Kirk went 0 for 4. But for whatever reason, when we need hits, we're getting them from seven, eight, nine. Yeah, it's the weirdest thing. I'll take it because it helps turn the lineup over. Uh, very unlikely uh, leadoff hitter <laughs> Ramiel Tapia went two for four. Again, sometimes when he's up there, he looks like uh, a twenty-year veteran. He's just he's waiting for his pitch, and then other times he's chasing stuff. Mm-hmm. And I, I, he's so. It's so hard to explain. I just wish he would, I don't know, pick a lane. Uh, sometimes he's super aggressive and it doesn't work. And then other times he's patient and he looks like a genius. And it's like, maybe this is just the kind of player that he is. I think he'll level off, though, into being a very competent uh, off-the-bench outfielder. He's definitely our fourth outfielder right now. 
Uh, and when Teoscar Hernandez returns, he'll probably see less play, but he's certainly going to see more play than Bradley Zimmer. And mm-hmm. I I could see you making a case for him DHing if Kirk uh, struggles. You could see it. Going yeah. to hop back. Yeah, I, I suppose. Um, it was interesting to note in game number two, Patrick, that George Springer finally got to make his debut i guess a blue jay in houston he was hurt last year shortly before they came to houston and uh obviously sat out game one because of the fact that he had taken that pitch off the forearm in game two of the boston series and wasn't quite uh feeling good enough to hold the bat but he got in there in game two and he let off the game with a home run um the guys were saying on the broadcast today that it moved him into fourth place for home runs all time at minute Maid park obviously uh, a bunch of those hit with the Astros, of course. But uh, it was also like the 45th leadoff home run of his career. So the guy's up there for a reason. He's able to put you up one nothing early. Um, yeah. Everybody in the lineup who started had hits except for Ray Tapia and Kevin Biggio. The Jays were able to get eight hits against Houston pitching. They got two runs off of their starter, Jose Urquidy, uh, including that home run from Springer. And then when the Jays needed it, when the game was tied 2-2 in the seventh, None other than Santiago Espinal, the Santiago, <laughs> hit an, his second home run in as many days. This one was a more of a bomb than the one the first day. Um, and put the Jays up 3-2. to two. And then they had to rely on Adam Simber to get the to get the save in that one. But again, Patrick, Alec Manoa gave up those two runs on the Bregman homer in the first inning. Um, it looked like Manoa was going to get shelled, but... In typical Manoa fashion, even when he doesn't have his best stuff, he was able to go six innings, give the Jays a quality start. He scattered seven hits, two of those in the first inning, of course. Didn't walk yep. a batter and only and struck out five. So it was a very good outing for Manoa. Uh, the Blue Jays are now 19-4 and four in Manoa's 23 starts in the big leagues. So That's sick. You've got a very good chance to win when he's out there. I'll uh, say that there's a couple of anecdotal things. Sorry, I didn't mean to yeah, cut you off No, there. go for it. Um, First, let's talk about if you look at the tape between Mano- or the stat lines between Manoa and Urquidy, Ur- um, sorry, um, they're very similar, mm-hmm. um, but it was almost a tale of like two different games. While Manoa had to, it really felt like he he had to battle every yeah. at bat was a battle, uh, and most of the time he he, he overcame whatever issue. He had. He threw 95 pitches. 70 of them were strikes. Uh, I like that he fought his way through uh, pretty glaring levels of mediocrity with some of his stuff. They <laughs> yeah, didn't did not make have, a note of that. He did not the have the fastball early. <laughs> no, he didn't. Uh, and he got he got beat up a little bit with it. Uh, Urquidy, on the other hand, was in a deep doo-doo uh, right off the hop in the game. The bases were loaded, and it was already one nothing Jays. Uh, but he got out of that jam, and then it looked like he was pretty much in control. Yeah. Uh, all the way up until he got the yank when he conceded the second run. Mm-hmm. He mm-hmm. threw 86 pitches, 64 of them were strikes. I was really impressed with him. I know he his his numbers for the year uh, aren't very flattering, and that's because, I don't he's know. He's only made three starts, and he had he's one bad yeah, one. Yeah, he's only made three starts, and... <laughs> Uh, none of them were, were stretched out. Uh, Manoa's had three quality starts in a row to start the year. But uh, Urquidy uh, battled too. Uh, he did concede a walk, and he did concede 
six hits, so yeah. it makes it look like uh, he had a worse night than Manoa, but he really didn't. After the first inning, I think he threw like 20-something pitches in the first inning. Manoa threw 27 in the first inning. 27 in the first inning. Yeah, after that, he was on he, he cruise. He, yeah. he looked really strong, and it's a shame he didn't get the quality start, but again, he was kind of beat up. They brought in Maton. Uh, who was able to close out that, uh, the uh, the sixth inning mm-hmm. after the Jays tied it up? Really impressive pitch, starting pitching from both guys. Uh, I know normally we don't like to praise uh, <laughs> the opponents starting pitching. It was Gotta just really credit impressive. Where credits do. Credits also do. Michael Brantley had a terrific uh, series against the Jays. He yeah, feasted he on does. their pitching. He was three for four in the three-two loss. Um, yeah, it was just it was this was the, these first two games were just fun. They were very tense. Yeah. The third it, it, game was very tense, but there there's lots of other there's stuff that's worth getting into about that. Yeah. Uh, it, it felt like playoff have, baseball. <laughs> it it does. Uh Bo Bo went one for three, by the way. Yeah. Uh in game two. So He did take a walk to, in that one too, which was He did, yeah. He's starting to see the ball a little I bit. I had better. the uh I had the tweet queued up when it was it was like three and zero, and I I I, I like wrote the tweet out. I I, I tweeted it. Bobichet has drawn a walk. I repeat, Bobichet <laughs> has drawn a walk. And right when he right when he actually took it, then I posted it. So I was I was calling it. <laughs> yeah, it was good. It was good shit. Uh, let's talk game three. There's the oh, home man. There's so much to talk about. Yeah, game. this game was a true roller coaster of emotion. Um, it's just been it's been over for about an hour now at this point. Houston ended up winning eight to seven in extra innings, and this was a game that for a while it seemed like Houston was going to cruise to. Um, they got out to a quick two nothing lead. Yusuke Akuchi was shaky in the first inning, to say the least. He was shaky for his whole three and two thirds, but we'll get to him. Um, I just felt like it seemed like neither team wanted to get a hit with a runner on second base. The Jays ended up two for twelve. And Astros were three for thirteen with runners in scoring positions, so neither team hit well with runners on base. Yeah, the difference was the bomb. The difference was the bomb to walk it off, which I mean is always going to be the difference. But yeah, Kikuchi that was, an was incredible hit ball too. Yeah, it was a very good. It was a good hit from uh, from Pena. But um, Kikuchi only went three and two thirds, Patrick, and it took yeah. him seventy seven pitches to do so. He walked five. One of the walks was a blown third strike call by home plate umpire jerry lane so yeah that's that's on the on the box score as a walk but it should have actually been the second out of the inning and then the next play was a bobichette error so <sighs> that inning should have been over and it wasn't so that that those ones hurt i'm curious to see the umpire scorecard because that could be a big weight in favor of the astros in that inning but uh only two of kikuchi's four runs given up were earned because of the error to bichette yeah um, he did give up an absolute moonshot home run to Brantley. It was a bomb on the cutter, which we just can't understand why he keeps throwing. Mm-hmm. Um, it just it, it baffles me how much this guy wants to throw his cutter after how successful he was in Boston throwing the fastball. And it seemed I don't like know he, what it is. It seemed to me, Patrick, that he had better command of the fastball today than he did of the cutter, but he kept just going back into that well. He like, did. He uh, keeps thinking he can get it inside to right-handers, but he just he just can't. <laughs> it's not working. No. Uh, and before we even saw a single pitch 
of Kikuchi to start the year, even preseason, the question was, is he going to, I thought, I don't know if this made it to air or not on our podcast, but I said he should dump the cutter and yeah. just be a three-pitch pitcher because yeah. the cutter doesn't play. It's not no. doing what he wants it to do. It's not the get-me-over pitch. He was yeah. brutal today. It was, yeah. It, it really doesn't matter like how much he likes the cutter. Like I love donuts, but I don't eat six of them a day. Yeah. Like um, <laughs> it, it was just really disappointing. Uh, we, I mean, obviously we can't say definitively what Pete Walker said when he went out to visit Kikuchi almost right before the, the bomb. Um, but I don't know. I don't know what's going on. If it's if it's lost in in translation, or if he's just stubborn, or what it is. But he he's not his his pitching his his mix is terrible. Yeah. Uh, he made it easy for the for the Astros uh, in his performance today. Um, Seventy seven pitches, just forty four of those were strikes, which means thirty three balls, uh, which equals lots and lots and lots of walks um not good no it wasn't good um it was it was really frustrating to watch and it was even worse because um it was like no matter what happened he was just like i'm gonna keep throwing the cutter and of course the last pitch he threw which was the home run uh was a cutter and i wouldn't be surprised we went back on the replay and saw Pete Walker was already on the way out. <laughs> Brantley rounded second. Um, yeah, he was on a tight leash to start with. They actually had Julian Merriweather in the pen, waiting to take over when the bases were loaded with like one out, and he had already walked in a run. Yeah. Um, he better fix it quick because there really is no time. He's going uh, to pitch against Houston in his next start too. So, and they they've got his number, and he cannot walk five guys. I don't care if he gives up, yeah, six home runs. I'd rather him give that give that up than walks. Yeah, they've got. They talked about it. he he actually faced Houston six times last year as a pitcher for Seattle, which is pretty and crazy they, in one season. But yeah, they they know how he pitches, so he's got to try something different with his mix and and. And hopefully that different is just dumping the cutter to like maybe ten or fifteen percent of his pitches and bumping the fastball up closer to fifty like he was in Boston. But I don't know, man. It was uh, it was it was interesting. It seemed like the game was like getting out of reach. I mean, it was it was four to one after four innings. Uh, the Jays were able to get a solo dinger from Guriel, his first time of the year, in the fifth. But then the Astros got the run right back in the bottom of five. Um, but then everyone's favorite hero in Toronto and new favorite player, Zach Collins, <laughs> hit a 3-0 absolute bomb. It, it like it, The apex is like 150 feet. It almost hit the rafters in Minute Maid of the roof. What, would that have been an automatic ground rule? I, I don't know what their ground rules are for that. <laughs> it's, it's, not not often... an, I, it's not an out. Yeah, it's it's, an... it's it's not often that you see a ball that high leave the yard. Um, but Zach Collins hit a three-run bomb to tie the game in the sixth at five. That was off Luis Garcia, who was absolutely like looking good for the Astros. Outside the couple of runs he had given up, I thought he was pitching really well. 
his slider was tight, his fastball was looking good, but he gave up a couple of those home runs, and that's ultimately yeah, what they, let the Jays get back in the game. I didn't, I didn't, uh, I haven't seen the replay on it, but I'm pretty sure both those muffins that he gave up were were on fastball. They were, were in, like yeah. in the zone. Yeah. Uh, and Collins, that was his pitch. He was waiting for it. Um, yeah, he got his. He got the pitch he wanted on three zero, and that's if you Gurriel get that pitch you want. His first boom. Yeah, he of hit the year. first pitch of the bat too of the inning. Even. Um, Guerrero two for three. Yeah, with a walk and yep. uh, an RBI and a run. But I'm really impressed with is is Zach Collins. You got to keep playing him, right? Keep, yeah, you, you got to ride it as long him. as you can. Um, Chapman 0 for 5, not great. Yeah, that was tough to see because he was having a pretty good road trip up until today and yeah. hit a couple of balls relatively decent, but I, I found that he has he has a lot of infield pop-up in his game. It seems he gets underneath a lot of those high fastballs. Yeah. So I'd love we, to see him just lay off those if he can't get up, if he can't get over the top of those a little bit more. But, I mean, that's the, that's the chocolate mousse, right? It's tough to lay off of it. It is tough to lay off of it, but might as well take them. If it's going to be a pop-up, like yeah. a pop-up, just take it. It's tough, but Santiago Espinal came up clutch again in the seventh, Patrick. The game <laughs> was tied. He hit an RBI double. Uh, Tapia scored all the way from first on that one. Man, yeah, um, he's, the dude has wheels. Tapia yeah. has wheels. And then, one for five today, though. <laughs> in the seventh, uh, the, the Astros did tie it up. They're calling it a line drive, but it was a off-the-hands looper from uh, Alebmus Diaz, former Blue Jay, off of David Phelps with the infield in. And David Phelps looked even more pissed off than me that the infield is drawn in. I hate bringing the infield in. Uh, I understand why they do it with one out, but I would love to see a running tally, and I should start keeping one, of the amount of times that pulling the infield in actually works versus how many balls get through and or over because the infield is in. Like, this yeah. ball from Diaz bounced in the dirt behind second base on the shortstop side. If Bo is playing in his normal position, he just walks over three steps and makes the catch on it. Um, but instead, it got over top of him and Espinal, and it scored the the tying run there. Um, yeah. I don't know. I I, <laughs> I get so mad when the infield comes in. Yeah, it's frustrating. They're, I don't know. I'll see the Jays more than any other team. This was pounded into our faces yeah. during the broadcast. The They're Jays shifting. more than any other team play the shift. And it, yeah. most of the time it, it's to their benefit, but it has cost them quite a bit so far. They're, I'm not yeah. saying it costs them real wins, but yeah, it's I don't uh, know. I wouldn't costing really them runs. quantify that either, yeah. But... Um, mm-hmm. Again, again, Bobichet, another error. He should have had that. Whether he's got to hold on to it or not, whatever it is, not great. Uh, three strikeouts. He was one for five. He did get that little dribbler. Uh, he did score, but he just doesn't. Yeah, I mean, the run he scored was right. as the the Manfred man in the extra inning, so it was yeah, it was gifted to him. But there's, I don't know how to explain it, but Bo just does not look right. Okay. Yeah. Um, so the game did go to extras, so we got to see the first Blue Jay extra inning game of the year. The yeah. Astros chose not to pitch to Vladdy. They just they walked him on four pitches that weren't in the zone. He just took them all and took his walk. Um, 
And then they got a strikeout from from Collins on a really good three two slider, which is a ballsy. Really pitch. good slider, elite. Yeah, super ballsy. Because if you if you miss that, you load him up with nobody out. Um, for Guriel, who did double, and ended up scoring uh, Bo from second, but then with runners on second and third, Chapman couldn't get it done, and neither could Tapia. Um, so it was. It's too bad to see that the Jays couldn't scratch more than one run across in that 10th inning because in the bottom of the 10th, Jordan Romano came in. He had the day off yesterday. His velo looked fine. He struck out Elemis Diaz on three straight sliders that Diaz swung out of his shoes for. Yeah, I don't know what was going on He was on looking there. for the heater, and he did not get it. Did not get the heater. <laughs> um, but then uh, new Astros legend Jeremy Pena, who is filling in at second base for uh, Jose Altuve Jose while he's Altuve. out. Uh, he's playing short, actually, because they have Diaz playing second. But anyway, uh, Pena hit a low fastball from Imano. It was like 98 miles an hour, and he took it out of the ballpark. Um, the exit velo on it was 106.8. The pitch velo was 96.6, sorry. But he hit it str- straight away center. Like, couldn't have been any more dead center uh, to walk off the game 7-6 to six for the Astros. The runner on second base <laughs> automatically made it a two-run homer, and made it a walk-off win but the Jays finished the road trip four and two Patrick Marsh and when you go to Fenway and when you go to Houston against two great teams four and two you will take that every time yep uh yeah it's frustrating because this one slipped through our fingers but yeah at the same time it's the Houston Astros they're one of the best teams in MLB they're going to be competing for that division title they might be seven and eight now, but that's not going to last for very long. And we're going to face them again next week. And they're not going to go down easy. They're, they're not going to make games. There's no easy games. So it's going to be it's going to be a tough week. It's going to be a tough week. Yeah, we get we get some incredible deja vu now. <laughs> yeah, we what get, a surprise. We get four against Boston instead of three, and then three more against the Astros. But they're home games this time, which is which is always fun. Um, it's going to be some interesting pitching matchups. The first game tomorrow night, we go back to regular 7.07 Eastern time starts for the first three games of the series. Nathan Ivaldi, who the Blue Jays uh, saw last week, goes up against Jose Barrios, who got uh, a quality start against Boston at Fenway. <clears throat> In game two, uh, it's Nick Pavetta against Kevin Gosman. Pavetta got lit up by the Blue Jays at Fenway, and Gosman is barely, pretty much untouchable in his start over eight innings there game three is where it gets more interesting michael waka who's off to a good start with boston goes up against chicken strip and then on thursday it's an afternoon game a 307 eastern time and get a getaway game for boston and the jays are going to stay at home but uh alec manoa is going up against tbd and that tbd should have been tanner hauk but he is an unvaccinated idiot and is not allowed to come to canada so too bad. Enjoy uh, enjoy sitting in Boston and not getting paid for those for this series, Tanner Houck. Supposedly. He's on the restricted list. There are more. Yeah. I have not seen It is rumored, Patrick Marsh, that Alex Cora may not be able to come with his team to Toronto. Really? That's a rumor on the street, anyway. I have no evidence to support that, but multiple people were talking about it and dan shulman even mentioned it on the broadcast today so 
Yeah. Interesting. We'll see what happens because Boston will place their players on the restricted list likely later this evening before they depart for Toronto. Yep. And so, uh, we will know exactly who is not vaccinated. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And they then we can no make choice. fun of them. Um, it is a part of it. It's probably, uh, if I were to guess who the, the TBD starter is going to be, I think perhaps Rich Hill. Oh, it uh, could he be. He is one of their, one of their spot starters. Uh, Rich Hill today went, actually, no, it can't be Rich Hill then. He pitched today through four innings, four hits, no earned runs, three walks, one strikeout against the Rays uh, in a loss. Uh, he did not take the L, though. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, that would be on four days rest, so it can't be him either. So who yeah. in the hell knows who is going to start that game? We know it's not going to be Rich Hill. We know it's not going to be Tanner Howell. So. <laughs> yeah, so um, we'll have to wait and see on that one. It'll be very fun and interesting to see the Evaldi Barrios game. I feel like that's going to set the tone. Yeah. Uh, for the uh, for the series, what is it that you want to see out of uh, out of all of our starters? I just want to see another start like the last one for Barrios, uh, where he can give us six innings, hopefully a quality start. And just keep building off of that. He's gotten better in all three of his starts so far. Obviously, it doesn't take much to get better from a one-out performance in op- on opening day. Uh, Kevin Gosman, man, he gave us eight innings of one-run ball at, at Fenway. And the splitter was just nasty. So I'm sure we'll see something similar from him. Alec Manoa on in the fourth game, we know what we, we know what to expect from him. If it's if it's if it's a bad start, we'll be we'll be surprised. Stripling in the game in game three is the interesting one for me. He uh, yeah, this game is circled yeah. on the calendar for me. Yeah, uh, something just slid across my desk here. Uh, a lot of people don't know this, but Michael Walker, Ross Stripling, they were actually roommates when they were at Texas A and M together. Oh, cool! That's so this, a... this, this this is the battle. This is the battle of Texas A and M roommates. Do you know if they've uh, uh, yes. pitched against each other before? Yes, they did back in 2016. Okay, they pitched against one another. What I believe for the first time. Um, I don't know who won that game, and it doesn't really matter. What matters is uh, I was able to pull that interesting little stat. I know those guys are friends anyway. Uh, Waka went on Ross Stripling's podcast. Right. Uh, I do remember last that. year, the year before, I don't remember when he was doing it, but um, Strips looked okay. Um, he's filling in just fine for Ryu. He's giving us a little bit of security in that spot. We're getting bulk from Trent Thornton to sort of complement uh, the four innings uh, Strips is giving us. So we did see Butters today, and credit to him nine innings pitched, one earned run. Uh, he He's, he looks really good. It's a yeah. different Trent Thornton. Uh, Velo is up. Uh, same with Ryan Barucki. Barucki threw a uh, 97-mile-an-hour fastball in his uh, .1 inning of work. Uh, yesterday, I think it was. Yeah, we, we've seen some Velo from Barucki out of the pen, more so than he was with the starter, but definitely. It's good, it's good shit. The bullpen is deeper, and I do think we're probably going to see I – don't, I don't know if, if Thornton will be ready – uh, or available to do six outs against Boston. 
three days from now, but if he is, uh, then he certainly will follow up uh, strips unless we're up by like eight runs and then they'll probably just give strips the ball for the fifth. Um, or we might see some bulk from Baraki because uh, he's got to get into some more games. Can't throw uh, one third of an inning a week. Somebody is going to get uh, sent down. Two somebody's, two pitchers are going to be sent down come yeah. May the 2nd. Uh, right now, it is very difficult to tell, uh, and there's still at least, I think, seven games of baseball left before yep. we have to make that decision, and that's probably what it'll come down to is uh, the very last moment yeah. uh, who's going to get sent down. Six if, games left this month. Six, yeah, so if, if you were, let's put you in the hot seat, Justin. Oh, boy. If you had to guess or estimate or presume uh, who among the pitchers on the Jays roster are likely to be, uh, you know, sent down. Who do you think it might be? Yeah. I mean, for me, I I look at Merriweather right now as a guy who's kind of been struggling. And I think Taylor Sesedo is probably the other guy at this point. Uh, Has he not a, already been sent down? He's he's been, he was back up before the Houston series. Uh, right, Anthony K was Anthony K was down sent down. Yeah, a couple games ago. Yeah, they brought they brought the sauce man back up because obviously K is still more viewed as a starter than a reliever. His relief outings haven't been great. No. Nope. Um, and like Ryan Berecki doesn't have options left. So as long as he's pitching well enough, he's the second lefty behind Tim Mesa, obviously. Yep. And that makes Sesedo optionable. And then outside of Merriweather, there's not really another ready that you would want to send down. Like, you're not going to send down uh, um, anybody else. I don't think anyone else even has options at this point. No. there None of them are justifiable, so it's going to so be... So it's, it's got to be Merriweather, and I think he still has an option left. Let me just double-check that before I... Yeah, well, while you're talking, I'm just going to say that I agree. It looks like Merriweather... Yeah, he does have this year of options left, so it's his last option uh, year. Yeah, depending on which of Taylor Sacedo and Anthony Kay are still up on the roster when that day comes, they will be sent down. Uh, even if they pitch in, a, like, multiple immaculate innings, it's not going to matter because at the end of the day, if you have to choose between waving Ryan Barucki or keeping him, as long as he's pitching well, like you said... Why would you do that when you have guys with options? They do view Anthony K as a starter, although he has only pitched two innings uh, and has not looked great in those two innings. It's not enough to judge a player. And if he has an option, he'll go down and start in Buffalo. Yeah. Keep him ready. Uh, no idea when Ryu will be ready. I don't even know if he's throwing. Um expect that he's probably going to miss at least two more starts uh, yeah i mean we haven't really heard yeah. anything in terms of news on when to expect him back we haven't really heard much on teoscar or danny jansen as well they stayed back in toronto on this road trip all three of those guys teoscar was in the batting cages i read that okay. somewhere I, I don't remember if it was a credible source or not but as far as i know he was doing be like full-on batting cage good so to know he is uh, he can come off of the IL on the 26th. That is the 10th day, if the first day is inclusive, uh, of when they go on the D or the IL. Sorry, um, 
we could really use his bat, especially with the on-off consistency of Tapia and uh, the lack of power we're seeing from Bo. And Biggio has just been struggling tremendously. And Kirk is off and on. He's hitting slap singles, but we're not seeing the power numbers from Kirk yeah. that we were hoping for. No, we aren't. Um, and again, it's... <laughs> I hate saying it, but it's still early. <laughs> it is early. Credit, though, where credit is due. Uh, I think yeah. Zach Collins has earned his way into a regular spot uh, on in, in the lineup, whether it is as a starter or as the DH. I don't see how you could justify sitting him. Yeah. Uh, right now, he has the fourth best OPS on the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's just been – and he's been competent – uh defensively not yeah. the best pitch framer but he doesn't have to be no shouldn't have to frame pitches if you're throw if your pitchers are throwing strikes yeah <laughs> uh i would say that um uh it, yeah it's there's there's a lot more to think about uh danny jansen probably multiple weeks away from returning uh definitely is going to maintain that 2.196 ops when he returns super sustainable very sustainable. Very much so. Looking forward to it. I guess. What are we? Are we going to roll with three catchers when Danny Jansen comes back? I. Th- that's the thing that they they may, especially if Collins is still hot with the bat, because it allows you to have either him or Kirk DH, and yeah. still have the other person as a, a late inning defensive replacement if you want to pinch hit for Jano or vice versa, right? If you have Kirk in the game and he gets on base, you could throw Jano in as a pinch runner because he runs the base as well and then have him keep catching. Yeah, it's... for me, the, the spots in the lineup or the the, the roster spots that are going to be set more down of, pitchers. Of more progress. Well, it has to be in this situation because we're, we're rolling with 15 pitchers yeah. and we can only have 13, 13 after the 28-man roster contract 26. Yeah. But uh, I think Gosuke Kato is probably a vulnerable spot. And Bradley Zimmer is not off to a great start. <laughs> yeah, he has the home run, but he that's, that's his it. only hit. Yeah. Um, and you got to think that if Samad Taylor continues to be hot in Buffalo, that he would get a shot. Um, I think it's, yeah, I think he's in Buffalo. He is, yeah. He plays infield and outfield too. So, yeah, he's got versatility. Yeah. Uh, as of as of right now, uh, Samad is hitting two sixty five and forty nine at bats. So not nothing, but he's got ten stolen bases. He's got speed. Yeah. And uh, I would take the. I mean, Zimmer has speed too, but uh, he also hasn't stolen a base yet. He so, hasn't been on base except for the home run. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So. He literally hasn't been on base because he got to circle them. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I, I yeah, I think you're right about him being vulnerable too. But I mean, is is Kavan untouchable? No. No. What's not. the limit? How far does this go before you either? I don't know, but he's he's or... he's got options. So I mean, it, <laughs> you hate to see it having to send a guy who's playing his fourth big league year down, but the Jays did it with Teoscar a couple of times. They did it with Edmund Carasion a couple, like once as well. Uh, they did it with Lourdes Gurriel Jr. Yeah, they did it with Lourdes when he, he couldn't forever. field. Or hit, sorry. Yeah. 
because he didn't he had to move to left field at that time because he couldn't make a throw from second base to first. So he got very very lucky today, <laughs> today gunning. Hill. Yeah, that play was something else. He, he's lucky he has the cannon of an arm because. Uh, like he just wants to use it. He just wants to use it, so he's got to make he's got to make weird plays and miss balls and just yeah. slide randomly, just to let the ball get past him so that he can throw him out at third. It's the it's the shortest throw for him from left field, so he's just trying to be calculated in his risks. Um, but yeah, no, Biggio is, is not untouchable on this roster, uh, especially if he continues to struggle. And yeah, like you said, if Samad Taylor continues to play well, he can play second base on the outfield too. He's basically uh, Kevin Biggio two They both steal bases. They both got power, so I mean, Taylor is a guy in theory that he's not on the forty-man roster, so you, you'd have to do a DFA like a, a Zimmer or something, which would be fine uh, to make room for him. But yeah, Biggio is a guy who could be sent down, in my opinion, at some point soon if he keeps up the struggles. Long story short, for the week, could be some interesting roster moves come May the second. Yeah. Stop throwing your cutter, Kikuchi, <laughs> and um, series wins are good. Yeah, we'll get one more episode in before they cut the rosters down. We'll, we'll come back after the Boston series, but then we we won't record again until Monday, May 1st, so we'll be able to see what happens. Because it could be interesting. Or, could I guess be we'll be, very... su- it'll be Sunday, May 1st, excuse me, but uh, yeah, we'll find out who got sent down. Kind of in the middle could of that be a Astros very series. sexy opportunity for GMs to make a couple quick trades. Yeah, there could be some minor moves for moments. sure. You're totally right. Could be. Could be uh, some uh, players to be named later and cash considerations changing hands. I always love those. A lot of that, and uh, I, you know, it'd be it, Toronto's in an interesting position in that they have pushed their chips in uh, to start the year, and if they do feel like there is a gap somewhere in their roster, which I doubt they can really say after one month of play. They do have uh, the stuff in the minor leagues to maybe make a move. Yeah. Uh, it's possible. It, it's not likely. Yeah. Um, since we are 10% of the way through the season, just to do like, a, we'll just run down the AL East standings. I want to go through the all of baseball, but the Yankees and the Jays are 10 and six, Patrick. Yep. Tampa's nine and seven. Boston seven and nine, and Baltimore is six and nine, but they're currently still playing the Angels. Um, the Yankees do play Baltimore at home next. They've struggled against the Orioles in the past couple seasons, so go Baltimore. Um, obviously, Boston's coming to Toronto for four, and the Tampa Bay is hosting Seattle, so it's not an easy series for them. So I'll be curious to see how this week shakes out. But only uh, like three to four games separating this division from top to bottom. So this this week is still. It's going to do a lot to determine since there's a few teams. There's there's four teams in the division who are playing each other. So it'll be fun to see how it shakes out. Yeah, it's, there's nothing in the standings worth panicking about. And no. there's also nothing worth being boastful about either. Uh, it's pretty tight. There's only, I think, two teams, two, maybe three teams, maybe three teams. If you count Baltimore at six and nine being uh, total trash in the American I mean, League. Yeah. I was going to say Washington's 6 and 12 and the Cincinnati's 3 and 13 but the NL is a little yeah. bit more of a dumpster fire there's a little larger gap between yeah. the good teams and the and the poop teams. Yeah. But in the American League right now, uh, the Jays are safely in a playoff spot. It means nothing 10% of the way into the season. We are only 6 games into a 20 game stretch that is going to be extremely difficult. 
So we just need to go uh, six and eight the rest of the way to maintain 500. That's not what you want. Uh, there's not going to be really easy games or games against uh, presumably on paper easier opponents until May, mid-May. It's going to be tough, folks. They're going to tread water for a long time, but um, by the time this 20-game uh, stretch is over, Danny Jansen will probably be back. Teoscar will almost certainly be back. Uh, we might have a better picture of what's going on with one Jin Ryu, and it's very possible Yusei Kikuchi will stop throwing his cutter. <laughs> let's hope so, my God. But anyway, for, for Patrick out in Halifax, Justin here in Saskatoon, thanks for listening. You can find us on Twitter at BFMD Podcast. Main platforms for listening are Anchor, Apple, and iTunes. Or I guess it's Apple Podcasts. I'm so old. But uh, anywhere you anywhere you find your shows, yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, look for Patrick in Halifax, Justin in Saskatoon. Four games against Boston, Patrick. It's going to be a fun week. We'll come back at you Thursday evening after that day game is over with all the latest. And we'll, re- and we'll preview the next Houston series as well, too. But until then... Enjoy the ball games. Go Jays. I-